0: In the right room, if you're looking for a program on this rainy, what's the night, Wednesday already? How'd that happen? (laughs) Rainy Wednesday night um, entitled Tracing Ancestors in Eastern Europe Strategies and Examples. I understand we have some special guests in the audience from the Orange County Jewish Genealogy Society. If that's you, raise your hand. Oh, what are your names? Cheryl. Cheryl, what? Stahl. Okay. Okay, so welcome, this is not a program we usually do. We, I'll tell you a second why we're doing it and, and um, maybe after the program people who are interested in learning about what you guys do can meet you at the, little ta- at the table in the back where we have refreshments. So um, this is a program tonight um, sponsored by the Community Scholar Program, hosted by uh, Congregation B'nai Israel. And uh, for those of you who don't know about CSP, our goal has been to bring the best Jewish thinkers, writers, poets, authors and genealogists in the world to Orange County. And this is our 18th year of programs. We're almost finished with 18 years. I wanted to thank all of you who are donors and supporters of CSP. Um, And if you're patrons, especially, and members of our Legacy Circle, and if you're not members of our organization or not members of our Legacy Circle, please join us and help us do our programs. We do get money from Jewish Federation Family Services and Jewish Community Foundation of Orange County, but 90% of our funds come from you. So thank you for helping us to, have, to host excellent programs in our community. I wanted to thank our, um, thank you. You're new. No. They're so jaded, the rest of them. They hear the same thing over and over again. They don't listen. Um, I wanted to thank our check-in team, Sheldon and Sustern and Davida. I also, yes, thank you Alita. Okay, got some life in the room. If we need extra chairs, there's some in the back, you can kind of pull them up, Harry. See those chairs in the back there? You can unpack them. and There's also a few spaces anywhere. Um, I want to mention a few upcoming programs. We had some flyers up there. So Mark Michael Epstein is coming to town for uh, the weekend of March 8th through the 10th. On March 8th at lunch, CSP is hosting a program entitled Lions, Unicorns, and Fiery Dragons, The Art of Polish Synagogues. And again, that's in anticipation of a trip that we're taking to um, Lithuania and Poland this summer, but everyone is invited to that program just as everyone is invited here. Uh, Mark will be at CBI for Shabbat, doing a Shabbat weekend entitled The Jews of Italy, History, Culture, Literature, Arts, Music and Food. And then on Sunday morning, Mark is taking, is going with us on a uh, CSP guided tour of the Getty Villa. That program is sold out, but we do have a wait list. So if you haven't signed up, just email me. I'll put you on the wait list. And um, if for some reason we have space, you may join us. We're leaving from uh, CBI in a luxury bus that will take us to the Getty Villa. We also have uh, a very well-known artist. She's an American-Israeli. Andy Arnovitz will be in town March 12th to the 13th doing three programs. One's entitled Tear Repair. The second one, People of the Book, Artist Book. And the third is Living Underwater. I believe Beverly Jacobs went to the artist's house when we were in Israel in 2017 and came back and said, we have to bring her here. So we're bringing her here, Beverly, and you better be at all three programs. Um, As I mentioned, we're going to Lithuania and Poland for our route trip, July 7th through 19th. The program is currently sold out, but as with all programs, we're happy to put you on the wait list if you want to join us. Um, There is a possibility we can add two more slots. We limited the number of spaces because I wanted to stay at uh, boutique hotels and not Big hotels necessarily when we go to Lithuania and Poland, but we we moved to a bigger hotel in Lithuania, that's why we can take a few more people. So if you're interested, please see me, email me, or contact me by phone. Someone asked about our Israel trip. We are going, but the year is October 2020. So for those of you who don't know what that means, we're not going this October, because this October would be 2019. It is hard. A lot of people have asked me that question. But we ask people who are interested, give me your name. We'll put you on a, on a list. Once we open registration, those on the list get to register first if they're interested. And we have close to 100 people on that list. It will be a CSP-type CSP dynamic trip to Israel. Anybody in the room gone to Israel with us before? Those people with their hands raised, you can ask them what that means. But they obviously survived the trip. And uh, many of them want to come back with us. So that's good. We are in the third year of our CSP cap challenge, so if you don't have, will you stand up and show them your cap, please, Cliff? Cliff is wearing the black CSP cap. We've got the black, the red, we've got blue. I think we, maybe we'll get green a, with pink. we've got gray, and maybe we'll have green next year. We've got gray with pink. If you wear your hat somewhere interesting and send me the picture, you have a good chance of winning something good. Who was a winner in this room? Did you get good things? Yes.
1: Outstanding.
0: You didn't get yours yet. Junior's Cheesecake. Junior's Cheesecake, what'd you get?
1: We got bread, breads,
0: babkas, and babkas uh, from bread from bread's bakery and we people who got kosher um, Sandwich kits from Liebman's in New York I will tell you however that I got my first picture in one week ago And it's gonna be a very hard one to beat but we have multiple categories This one was in northern Scandinavia with the aurora borealis and a CSP hat Avi Margolite, so he has thrown down the challenge he is clothed in a lot of clothes. It looked very cold up there. We are recording this program as we do many of our programs for our podcast. So if you've missed, if this is your first CSP event, you've missed 18, almost 18 years of programs and probably 500 events. We have about 200 plus on our podcast. Just go to iTunes and type in OCCSP, and you will find many of our programs. We are recording tonight. Many of you are taking notes, so that will help to catch up when you need to listen to things again when you're doing your own genealogy work. Okay, please take a moment and turn off your cell phones or put it on to vibrate mode. Doesn't go off in the middle. And then um, why are we doing the program and an introduction? So uh, who is coming to Poland on the Poland-Lithuanian trip? Okay, so thank you. The idea about this program was to give people on our trip an opportunity to research their family history before we go to Lithuania and Poland. So when they go there, it is more, it's even more meaningful. Uh, they can go back, and if your family's from Vilna, we'll be in Vilna. If you find out your family's from an area like Rukeshek, where I'm from, or Slunum, where Elita's from, you can come a few days early, and uh, we're going to work on, you can hire a guide and go find your old family villages. I know for a fact that on my mother's side of the family, my grandfather, my great-grandfather's house is still there. So I'm planning on going to pay a little visit. Uh, anyway. Um, so tonight's program is... is you know, directly people who are going either with us or would like to go one day, but it's also for the general audience of you uh, uh, Eastern European Jews, which most of, the, most of us are, most of you are, to figure out ways to find out more about your family um, and where you come from. Because we did spend over a thousand years in Poland and Lithuania. And um, our food, our traditions, our names, uh, much of who we are um, our, tra- you know, our traditions, our rabbis, um, all come from that area. Uh, I brought with me, this is a, a project I worked on for my daughter's bat mitzvah a few years ago. This is her, her special family tree book and I worked on it with Dahlia Taft. Dahlia, raise your hand for one second. So if you want to, and where is the cedars? They have one of the, they made their own book as well. So if you're interested in making your own book with things that you find or having Dahlia also research with you, see Dahlia afterwards but um, I have a whole family tree in here and all pictures put in a nice, organized fashion. And I, I don't know if my daughter really appreciates it now, but I do. And one day she will, and I, I continue to do research. So that's what we're going to do tonight. How do we do more research to find out where we come from? Uh, we have our, our special guest tonight is Karen Franklin. She's the director of family research at the Leo Beck Institute and co-founder and jury president of the Obermeyer German Jewish History Awards. She has served as president of the National Association of Jewish Genealogical Societies, chair of the Council of American Jewish Museums, co-chair of the Board of Governors of jewishgen.org, and chair of the Memorial Museums Committee of ICOM, the International Council of Museums. Karen is on the editorial board of Southern Jewish History and was recently elected to the board of the National Association of Retired Reform Rabbis. She's also a professional genealogist. Um, Why is Karen here? Uh, A year ago, we had Professor Jeffrey Gurock. Many of you came to hear him. Um, talk. He was one of our summer scholars and he wrote the book about when Harlem was Jewish and he mentioned that when he wanted to find some genealogy of how people moved from different areas up to Harlem, he called his go-to genealogist. So when I thought of this program, I emailed him and said, who is that go-to genealogist? He said, you have to bring, it's Karen Franklin. So please join me in welcoming Karen to Orange County, <laughs> rainy and cold, but better than the East Coast. Welcome.
2: You, thank you very much, Ari, and thank you all for coming out on this rainy, cold, just what I'm used to in New York uh, evening. I want to um, recognize somebody who's in the audience here tonight or among us, and that is Vipka Light. Where are you, Vipka? Vipka and I work together. 20 years ago in the Judaica Museum in Riverdale. And I'm so happy to see that she's here tonight. And is Rabbi Goldmark here also? He might not have, be here now. Anyway, OK. Um, I want to particularly thank the 10 plus participants of this upcoming trip who met with me in the past two days to tell me about their histories. And I have to say, what an amazing group of people, bright interested, and in fact, I'm glad. I was told I have three and a half, four hours to speak tonight, How much? <laughs> but I have a lot to say, and so um, it won't be that long, really. I don't speak long, but I wanted to um, give you some philosophies in how to have fun and how to research your um, families rather than what you need to do. And then I welcome questions, specific questions, long stories, short stories. Uh, when I'm done. If you can't see something or need me to um, read it for you, just let me know if I'm speaking too loud, too soft, if to go to the bathroom, whatever. Okay. I'm going to begin by telling you my guidelines of how I do my family history. Um, Today, it's different than any other time when you're researching your roots because there's a likelihood that someone has already either done it already or done a piece of it or given some clues online or by email that can help you on your search. So I always recommend to people that before they head out to the archives anywhere, that they in fact begin online to see what trees might be available. There's a number of websites, Ancestry, Genie, MyHeritage, The Mormons Family Search. So that's in fact where today one should begin And of course, the old standard, by asking your relatives. Uh, And I always recommend putting your own tree on Ancestry.com, or it can be MyHeritage or some of the others. And the reason is these um, trees don't have search matches, so that they do the work for you. If they think there's a match with another family tree or a record that they have, they put, now let's see if I can do this, yes, no they put a little leaf. This is an ancestry page with a tree, and it's a little leaf, and if you click on it, it probably leads you to someone else's tree online. So it's always a good place to start, and you can make your tree completely private so that no one else has access to the names (laughs) or to the material, and I can give you more information if you're interested. I once, this was many years ago, was asked by the um, Justice Department to work on a looted art case, a piece of art they thought was looted. And so they hired the expert, the world expert, Karen Franklin, and I solved the case very quickly because I googled the name of the person. And I found out that what I needed to know and why the people, had, actually it was the Treasury Department, why they couldn't figure it out by googling it, I have no idea. So one of the um, stalwarts, of course, of genealogy is location, location, and location. It's knowing the town that someone came from, looking in those particular records that might be either indexed online or that you can get in some other way, and also um, by knowing the people who know something about that place that you can get on places such as Jewish Gen or other kinds of um, uh, discussion group places. And um, another way that um, one can research by place is Yad Vashem, uh, pages of testimony. (coughs) People wrote about an ancestor or a family member who died in the Holocaust, or it's documented by records. Those names, sometimes (coughs) if it's a very difficult name and you look by place and not by name, you could be surprised what you could find in other family members who are related, names you recognize. I found just um, uh, when I was here an Ellis Island ship record by looking. You know, everyone says, well, they changed the name. How will I find it? I'll never find the name. I don't know what it was before. But if you look at a ship record by where they came from, the approximate year they came, and the first name, you can sometimes find the record that you're looking for. Um, And also to look for a district as well as the village itself because people moved around a lot. And so they could be in the next town over from the one you're looking for. Okay, my my favorite story, um, which I love to tell, and the person who said it to me loves to tell. I once asked about naturalization records of a friend of mine who's an expert. And he looked at me and he said, you're Karen Franklin, and you don't know that? And, (laughs) And it applies to every area of genealogy. Not everyone can know everything. And so you just have to ask the person who knows more than you do to get the information you want. And so a few people in the last few days asked me about naturalizations. I said, I'm said, i Karen Franklin. I don't know that. So. Um, and also, um, I, someone like, um, like me could give you an answer if I knew it. But when you go on a discussion group, like one on Jewish Gen, you're going to have 10,000 people who you can ask your questions to. And they're happy to help you. That's what the experts are there for. So just another way of thinking about how to do your genealogy. Now, raise your hand if you saw the Super Bowl. Raise your hand if you saw OK. And raise your hand if you saw the Hyundai commercial. Do you remember the Hyundai commercial where the guy goes down the elevator to hell? So um, I'll th- Take that in a moment, and I'll tell you a story about my oldest son, who's a kind of person he likes to watch um, the people who, um, what's the word I'm looking for, they, you know, they encourage you to do things, and they, you know, the um, physical, Insta- twi- what's that? Insta- well, whatever. So oh, no. I had seen an, a video online of a woman at a conference who was talking about storytelling and how you should tell stories, and it's not about the story. It's about the, what you want to say with that story. And uh, I was so moved. I called my son, and I said, you love this kind of stuff. And she said, if you know, if someone asks you to tell a story again, you know you're telling it well. You know you're doing it right. <laughs> so I called my son. And I said, you have to watch this. This is the most, it'll just really get you. It's so influential. And I never heard from him. And I called him back a few weeks later, and I said, did you watch the tape I told you? And he said, Mom. That was the worst thing you ever sent me. He said, you think I want to hear any of your stories one time more? Are you kidding me? So it's it's the stories that you tell but it's how you tell them. So on this Hyundai commercial in the Super Bowl, the man is descending into hell, and there are several places he could stop in buying his, his car. And one of them was um, vegetarian dinner with um, beet meatloaf. That was one of the stops on hell. And the other was uh, his father was saying to him on one level, a guy completely says, I have great stories about my sexual activities when I was young, and you should hear about your grandmother. So um, those are the stories you don't want to tell your children. <laughs> and when you think about what you do, the stories you like to tell, um, think about what you actually want to say. How many times do they want to hear about the person who died in the Holocaust or who was persecuted? And is there something that an ancestor did that you find really moving and, and ethically correct, and that's what you want to tell your child? Or is it a funny story? And that actually, that's a really important way so that They won't tell you what my son said. Are you kidding? Um, So something about doing our genealogy projects together, they don't always have to be solo activities. When I ask people, as I asked a group of people on the trip, uh, what do you want to learn from this? So many people just want to reconnect or connect with their cousins or their children, um, or their nieces and nephews. And we start round robin letters, and everyone hears about the progress. And it can make it a wonderful family uniting activity. And that's something you might want to think about um, as you go on your journey uh, as to who this is for. And within that um, reuniting, One of the possibilities, I'm not going to speak about it too much here, but you're welcome to ask me, is about DNA. Um, People, uh, you may read about it now. It's on all the the ancestry um, shows, movies, uh, newspaper stories. I think it's a very important tool that helps reunite families, especially uh, those who are adopted or don't know who their parents are. And um, there are security issues and I'll, that also, oh, thank you, I'll be, happy. Thanks. I'll be happy to talk about at greater length and plenty of stories to tell you. So in order to go into um, the how-to, what I've done is I've made a story or a little piece about each person who's participated. I hope I didn't forgive, uh, forget anybody ahead of time. And if so, I'm sure you'll tell me. Um, some of the things that we learned and how we learned them together. So from Alita, Alita, where are you? Um, she asked a question about an old photograph. And she didn't wasn't able to read the probably Yiddish on the back. Is anybody here able to read it? Ah, so there we go. You don't even have to go online. So afterwards, and you, what is your name, sir? Sam. Sam. So ask Sam. And, and if Sam weren't here, what I would suggest that Alita uh, do is to go onto JewishGen.org. How many of you are familiar with Jewish Gen? So quite a few people. OK, great. It's, it's the go-to place. And some people ask me if I had a handout. And my answer is no, because there's only two things you really need to know in Karen's philosophy, Jewish Gen and Ancestry, or, or my heritage, or some of the other places that, that have many uh, databases you could look in. So on Jewish Gen, they have something called ViewMate. If you have something that's short, the back of a photograph, one document, you post it, and someone will volunteer to translate it for you or tell you about it. Um, so Sam, if you can't read it, just let us know, and we'll we'll work on it. But thank you, um, Beverly. Beverly uh, asked me in a, in a, when I requested information about the families. My maternal grandfather was um, Yosef Shalom Alter Olashevsky. He was born in Prusani. So the first place I would go for Beverly is on Jewish Gen. And here's a list of the various databases. There's a town finder with information about all those families. There's a family finder that shows you other people who are looking for information. And here on the family finder, I found, I'm sure you can all see this from the back, uh, the top uh, person looking uh, it for Pujani is an Oloshevsky, someone looking for an Oloshevsky family from Pujani. And that's a little larger. You can see um, that in order to contact that person, you'd have to first be registered on JewishGen, and then you would go on to the family finder and just click the link, and you're able to email that person directly. And there are many, many stories of people who've connected on the family finder on Jewish Gen. Um, so she also asked, my maternal grandmother was Henny Mador who- it was <coughs> yeah. uh, Midorsky, who was born in Rogachov. Can we find Medorski in Rogachov? And again, we looked to Jewish Gen databases uh, under I guess it was the Polish. Um, Jewish records indexing Poland, and we were able to find families. I think I'm not sure. I made the slide before we spoke. I'm not sure if this particular one has it, um, but yeah, this particular slide um, it's of marriages. It's the husband and wife, and then it has the names of the husband's father, the husband's mother, and so on, and where they were from. It's a really important. Uh, I don't hear Belarus Madorskis um, 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 from Rogocha. Also, lots and lots of records that could be helpful. And then um, Betty, where is she? Is she here tonight? She wrote that uh, my mother's aunt, Ida Dorfman, belonged to a Habner um, Bazaar or Baser uh, Landsmanschaft Society. How many of you know about the societies? I don't want to be sp- speaking above or below anyone. So these were societies when uh, families came here. They tended to enjoy being with people from the same area. And these societies were, could be burial societies, or they could be mutual aid societies where they would send money back to Europe uh, for families from the same town. And there were records of these uh, societies. Many of them are at, the, at YIVO, at the Center for Jewish History in New York. Uh, this is the town she was from, Bazaar Bezer the uh, ancestors in Ukraine. And here's a Jewish gen map that gives you the surrounding communities and tells you where other records for that town can be found. So in the case of this particular society that she knew about, where her aunt was buried, in Yivo, at the Center of Jewish History, I'm sorry, in the New York Jewish Genealogical Society, they have a list of um, the cemeteries, where people from that society buried their um, relatives. And sure enough, it's in Montefiore Cemetery in New York. And I was able to, I'm sorry, it's small. Believe me, if it were larger, you wouldn't be able to see it anyway. Um, so the, there, there is her great aunt, who's listed on, in the cemetery society. By the way, there are ways in some of the cemeteries you can look up everybody in that society. So it's almost like a family finder, because everyone from that town is listed uh, in the cemetery. Now, this, this is also my weird sense of humor. There was an article in the New York Times one week ago. They seemed, you know, the New York Times has the world's best correspondent for every political topic. And then every time one of their uh, writers does something like find a family tree, or wants to go back to Poland to find his ancestors? They let this person write an article, and these are the stupidest, worst articles I have ever seen. So, if you are interested, do not look for you know how to how to search your ancestors in Poland. Anything you find in the New York Times or the Forward or um, any of the other places, ask genealogists, not New York Times people. So th- this is a this is a you know everyone's from some place kind of. I don't know the um, painting that they did for this New York Times article that just came out. It's just my sense of humor. From Ari, he wrote me um, that Talbot Katz is my maternal great-grandmother, and she's a mystery to our family. It would be interesting to find out where she came from. Well, we did. And it took just a few moments. We went on the Jewish Gen Worldwide, uh, online, Jewish Online Worldwide Burial Registration. And she had died and was buried in South Africa. And her stone, her information, was listed on Jewish Gen uh, in the burial index. And it had the town that she was born in. And her father's name. And her father's name, which had heretofore been, un- or then tofore, been unknown. And here it is. And let's see. So. Vaske, Lithuania, which we hadn't known before. So the information that we got that was most important was that her father's name was Baruch. Now, um, that doesn't tell us the maiden name, but we can imagine when he, there are many ways to search it by looking at first names, not last names, and, and other kinds of records, other people who might be buried in the cemetery who maybe were siblings unknown. There's all kinds of neat stuff that can be done. And uh, Vasky is in the district of Kovno. And on the Jewish Gen Family Finder, there are other people who are looking for people from that village. So, what I do um, is I take a look and see who I know on that list who knows the most. And then I write them and say, you know, even though it's not the same name, maybe you know something about about records from that town. Sometimes it's a lot easier than spending a whole lot of time looking for it because someone who's already done the research is going to know how to do it, and you can get that information a whole lot easier. Um, Also, the great-grandfather, great-grandfather, his uh, name and the name of his father and all the similar information was in that burial record. Um, Rabbi is not here, but we'll pretend he is. Um, In his family tree, on ancestry that he put up. Notice that there's, in the green on the top right-hand side, there's a potential mother and a potential father, which means that it connected probably to another family tree. And so it's suggesting to the person that they take a look at the other family tree and see if it's the right uh, connection, because it might be that simple, to take it back another generation. And you notice also um, there's, there's a bunch of, of hints. There are records for other cousins there. Who are the parents of Marcus? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, I knew that. Okay, so this was also something we discovered today. Um, The answer was on a page of testimony for Yad Vashem. So that is, again, someone submitted the information about an ancestor or a family member who died, and uh, personal testimony. It can be also from someone who witnessed it from the same town, Um, and someone had put in, it was actually his uncle who had submitted this uh, already in 1987, but the next generation didn't know about it, and so the ancestors, oops, so sorry. Um, Am I going in the wrong direction? Yeah. Yeah. The other way, okay. No, it was the other way. I'm so bad at this stuff. There we go, sorry. So the ancestors were um, Miriam and uh, Itzhak Yehuda, I think, which, were, which now we have that information. And uh, um, I mentioned today also at one of the meetings, I once had a man who was um, in his, this was a number of years ago, he was in his, uh, late 80s, and in 1955, when he was living in Israel, he himself put the name of his grandfather on a page of testimony. He made a page of testimony for his father, but it was he wrote his father's father, and he came to me asking me, "I don't know my grandfather's name," but he had it. He himself had written it some 55 years earlier in a page of testimony. And this is Linda's naturalization record for Frank Lang, who is grandpa, her grandfather. And it had on there the town that he was from, which was Gorza. And so what we were able to do is go to the um, Ellis Island records and find out that, lo and behold, there was, oops, here we go again. Uh-oh. There we are. OK. so. There was an Ephraim um, Lang from Gorza who came over, and that was his, um, forgetting quickly, his brother, his uncle? Ephraim? It's him, Ephraim. Oh, it's the one you were looking for. And then Ephraim becomes Frank. Yes, okay, so that's the person we were looking for. Um, And one of the secrets is with this kind of a, database search engine. You don't have to be exact in what you're looking for, and it picks up all the extra possibilities. So this is also a, a search form on JewishGen. Uh, and it's available elsewhere that people can get for the for the Ellis Island records. Oops. Could you just say what a testimony is? A page of testimony? Is, was that the question? So the page of testimony. Um, or or so it's called, was filled out by somebody. They're still being filled out um, for Yad Vashem, for the Holocaust Memorial Museum in um, Jerusalem. And so people will write the information about what they know about a relative and submit it, which is especially important for some towns in Eastern Europe where they weren't in a camp. So there are no records. They might have been uh, killed in a pit in the forest. And so only the family knows, or only someone who was there Uh, is aware of it. So those names are recorded and registered. And the reason they're important, too, by the way, is because sometimes the person, so you might say, I think I have cousins in Israel, and I don't know who they are. They may have filled out a page of testimony in 1955, or 1970, or, or 2000. And so you'll know the cousin's name because they filled out the page of testimony. So this is the ship record um for Ephraim. he's at the very bottom and what we we learned is that he went to visit his he went to see his cousin in Chicago and that actually matches the information that the family knew the name of the cousin and now it's all confirmed in some case though people who look at the a ship record did not know or do not know who that person is that they're that they're going to see don't don't remember and that can open up a whole new branch of the family if uh, if they didn't know. <laughs> Robbins, sorry about this, wrote me that her organizational skills were one of the things she'd like to figure out how to work on to keep all her information. And um, I can certainly relate to how that is. And I, when I'm working with clients or whatever, I say, just don't tell. So we all have our organizational Uh, flaws and some of us have accumulated a great deal of information over a long period of time. And I only recently began working on Ancestry. And Ancestry is not the only one. There are several other database places where you can link specific records to the person on the tree um, and always have them available. And you can do it for everyone in the family. So if you're looking for Uncle Fred where he lived in 1910 to see if he's related to so-and-so, you just have to look. This is, um, how many of you use Ancestry? just so you know, so so not everyone's familiar with it. So when you have a tree on ancestry, you also have what's called a profile, and it takes information from the documents that are connected to it, and this is how it appears uh, when you put it in. And if if other people have a family tree also, then the information, you link the documents, it's very simple, and you can put your own research notes, scan them, and also add them. So Sheldon Stern wrote, Solomon and Anna Goldenberg had nine surviving children. Her brothers Oscar Seymour were born in Turkey. And here they are in the 1930 census saying exactly that, um, that the older six or seven children in the family were born in Turkey, along with the mother. The father was born in Romania. And then the youngest two children were born in New York. So the census records also tell you um, when someone came over or the approximate date. So uh, that's very helpful if you don't know someone's name even, you, or last name or how it's spelled, you can look in a census record by the first name, when they were born, and find out when they came over. And this is a, a secret weapon. Does anyone recognize what this is? So if a family came over uh, to um, Ellis Island or even earlier, sometimes the name, it just says they're from Russia. Doesn't say where they were from, and that's that's because um, it's an arrival record that was written in before they left. Um, but it, they just didn't ask the information. However, those people who came over from Hamburg, on the there are Hamburg departure lists, and there they asked more information. They wanted the exact town someone was from. So there are always some people who say. It's not on the Ellis Island record. I can't find the town. But if your family came through Hamburg, there's a very good chance you might not be able to read it, because it's (laughs) not only you who are sitting in the back. It's practically indecipherable. And sometimes people who indexed it did a good job, and sometimes they did a bad job. But just to give you an example, this particular one, uh, the last name was M-A-R-C-Z-A-K. That was the name. very hard to find.
1: Where's that? Is that in huh? I'm sorry. That's Where's
2: the Hamburg one? oh, the Hamburg lists are actually on Ancestry. Um, I guess that was the last slide. Okay, did I forget anybody who I spoke to? Susan. Yeah, that's okay. No, you're on there. Yeah. You are in there. You're just hiding. With that
0: neat um, document with Sarah Leia inside, and also.
2: Right, actually, but I didn't, I didn't put that on. I, I didn't put it in. Okay, so, so you get an extra question at the end that you can ask or tell us. There's a question in the back, yes?
1: All this information that has been collected and input,
2: if it comes from a source document that's handwritten and old, it's probably true, but if somebody is just inputting stuff into a database, which is maybe the best that they know. How do you know that what they put is actually true or not? So, the, the question is about the accuracy of some of the trees that are online and also uh, even on documents that are uh, interpreted or, or written by hand and how people uh, index them. So, there. Professional genealogists um, usually deal... I think it's called a a proof list or something. What's the most reliable source as compared to the least reliable source? We know that census records aren't uh, always reliable. People had reason to lie on them sometimes. Uh, Ship records, people lied about the dates of the children to get a cheaper fare. And um, people who do family trees, they take it from other family trees. I've had clients who... um, they want to prove you know, they're all descended from King Edward or King John or King somebody. But sometimes you have the children who were born 100 years before, uh, before the parents. And these are the genealogies. So, so family traits that someone else has done before you it can also be extremely suspect. Does anyone know what some of the more accurate things are that, you, that, that are on the top of the list of trustworthy? Um, it can be birth records because they're going to know the parents' names, whereas they might forget in a death record. Or it happens many times. There was a second marriage. And if the person is from the first marriage, they're going to put the second wife as their mother because that person raised them. It's not important to them to tell accurately who their mother is. Or they might not remember the name. Uh, There are adoption records where the the names are are not correct. Yes?
0: another way to test. So I found names of my great-great-great-grandfather and no one in my family knew him, So, but someone had it on some chart. How do I know if that's true? Well, I, you look at the names and you look at names in your family, all of a sudden you realize someone is named after that person. Yeah, so I said to my dad, you know that your great-grandfather has found out a great great is named Vitzala. He said, oh, that's why my cousin's named Vitzala. So. Yeah. You will find stuff, and then you have to you can corroborate yeah.
2: Yes, that's, that's a very good point, and for the tape, that naming patterns do help to corroborate um, uh, ancestors' names. Yes?
0: Okay. Um, one thing you didn't mention that I think bears mentioning, in Jewish Gen, a lot of the citations now, if you go all the way to the right, you can actually link to the source document. Yes. And you can actually see, of course, some of them are in Russian, um, you can actually see the actual documentation there, because
1: I found a lot of transcription errors. in records all over the
2: place. Right, so, so links to the original documents, not only on Jewish Gen, but on uh, Family family Search, the Mormons, and, and also on Ancestry, quite a few more links to the originals. Yes? What if
1: you're looking for relatives that you know left the home country and went to other countries like, we have family that went to Argentina and they lost contact with them in the early 60s. Or we have family that we know supposedly went to Australia after the war, but we have no way of contacting them. I mean, how do you do that kind of research, out of country research?
2: So how do you do out of country research? Uh, I have uh, two words for you. Give up. No. <laughs> um, so often, uh, uh, I, I had a, a client just recently who had lost touch with Argentinian family members, and he went to the local federation in Argentina. You know, if it's fundraising, they're going to have, no. It's not fundraising because it's, it's giving out, not necessarily uh, contributing to. But, but there are organizations in those countries, in those towns. There can be genealogy societies. There could be synagogue records. Uh, and again, there could be other cousins who did keep in touch with them, even though your family didn't, there could be someone else who did. So. Karen,
1: um, and on your- we started our research uh, at uh, with the Mormons and the LDS. And so they recommended we dump all our, start collecting them on Family Search, their database, which is a great, uh, uh, has a lot of great tools on it. But my concern is that perhaps if somebody else is doing research,
0: another branch of the family, that they would never end up looking on a mormon site do you think i should pick up everything from family search and move it to something more jewish (laughs)
2: Jewish? it's a great question about uh putting your research not on one site but on several because people will be more likely to find it somewhere and i would it's a great question i think i don't remember if i put something from your family in and i'm sorry if i didn't (laughs) um but i would definitely recommend you doing uh, as wide a distribution of information as possible, and that also includes for DNA, which we didn't talk about yet. How many of you have had your DNA tested? So uh, almost a half. But how many of you are interested and haven't done it yet? Anybody? Your brother a few. If if your brother did it, yeah. it sort of counts. Yeah. yeah. And my son did it also. And your son did it also. And I found it related to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the the way that DNA works, uh, and i 'm not an expert i 'm Karen Franklin, and I do not know that, or I should say my my ability is at a certain level. Um, you triangulate so if you have someone tested on your mother 's side, then you can whatever you have in common is from your mother 's side unless your parents were related, but for the most part, and then on your father's side and then you can get you know your mother 's mother your mother 's father, and that 's really important because if there's a branch of your family that you just cannot figure out. It's the dead end. It's the adoption. You can be able to identify who among your, which among your DNA, uh, you, within your DNA, belong to the person that you're really looking for. Uh, there's a question in the back. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just, um, could you go a little bit into YISker books? Because I was
2: able to find some of my missing family from the Shoah, on Jewish Gen. When I accessed YISker books, I found out that they were from another town than the one I thought. And their name was listed,
1: and I couldn't find it anywhere else. And that was, it, they're not all translated. Some are in mostly Hebrew, some are in Yiddish, but I had somebody translate the one that was in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a great resource
2: from my day. That, that's a really good point to, to um, ask about Yusker books, memorial books, many of which are translated on Jewish jinn. And they had information, not only the names of those uh, who they want to memorialize from the Holocaust but also, uh, which cannot be found elsewhere, but they also have histories of the towns, names of survivors, um, and the kind of local rich history that you might not get elsewhere. So I, and they are pretty much only on Jewish Gen. There uh I can't think of any other places where they are translated, and if there is something that you're interested in that's not yet been translated, you can pay for it or you can also then return it back to Jewish Gen um, or so that it's available to lots of people and the, New York que- the New York Public Library has copies of them all but they're not translated but they're there and sometimes they have photos in there too there's a question here
1: yeah, so you recommend like paying and pay, doing the yearly thing for ancestry basically because I was playing on there but my confusion was. Finding names like, uh, like six spellings of the same name, depending you know, even brothers would spell it with an A, with an I, with an O, with an E, and they're all you know the same last name with different spellings. even though they're supposed to have the same name as
2: Right. So so the question is is about um, recommending ancestry, and I if I do, I'm not getting a percentage. So just you should know. Or or also um, how they're soundexed. I think how they're they're indexed. So for. When you have ancestry, you have a choice of doing the exact spelling, or you can be fuzzy or fuzzier in case uh, it was spelled in a different way by someone else. So the answer to that question is, and this is one of the things that I found so humorous about that bad article, is um, it it wrote about all the ways you could get around paying for an ancestry. Uh, You could do this, you could do that, if you'd want to pay the money. And in my heart, I said, how do you know that not everybody can afford it? Sometimes, it, if it's what you do in life and you can afford it, get the subscription or, or start with a month or, or a couple of months. Uh, for someone like me, I use it daily. So, you know, if it takes me X, it's just personal. If it takes me X number of hours that I'm working on and I have to spend three days more or five days more looking for it somewhere else, not getting it all together, not knowing there was another tree, I, I think it's worth the investment. So, yes.
1: Um, I had a a comment and a question. Um, For places like Argentina and other things, you have the, on Jewish Gen, there are the info files. And so even though it's not listed in the main databases, there are links to um, other databases that, you know, and other resources. Mm -hmm. And I also had a question. Are you on the board now at Jewish Gen? Did you say?
2: Um, No, I'm past co-chair of the board of Jewish Gen. That's a whole political history. How much time do you have? Yes. Okay. Yeah, was, there, was there a question? If it's a complaint, okay. I'll listen to it. I, I still was do.
1: just going to say that I sometimes like going to JRI, JRI Poland or Gesher Galicia directly to do a search because they have more options in their search screen. So even though I can search them from the All Poland database, you know, if you go to JRI, JRI Poland to search it, You can pick just births or just marriages. Um, You could pick ranges of years. But doing it just through Jewish gen, um, it's like name and town.
2: Did I not mention JRI Poland? No. No. I apologize, because I I don't know where these slides disappeared into slide heaven. So JRI Poland is a a massive indexing uh, activity that's been done by Stanley Diamond and a number of volunteers. And um, as a result, uh, there are many, many villages that are completely or or almost completely indexed and available online. And Yes, and there are many ways to search. And you can even search by area. So you can look for a perimeter of 25 miles around the town that you're looking for, or a whole district or province. Thank you so much. What's the URL for that? The URL? Well, JRI Poland can be found by going through Jewish Gen. So a a lot of people assume they're the same organization, but they are not. Yes. Okay. two quick things. On old gravestones, you can many times find the names of the ancestors. The newer gravestones don't have that. We were able to find our ancestors through going to old cemeteries were able to do that. Can everyone hear what she's saying? No, that, so so, that. so um, the, the, it's a, a good point that sometimes you can find the earlier <laughs> generations on tombstones, where they have uh, Moshe Ba'am Ben Abraham, but that the newer tombstones do not contain that information very often.
1: The second thing is, in my uh, databases, I've also included medical histories for many of the people and I have been called
2: by cousins and cousins who had this illness, who had this illness, and I've been able to give them the medical histories. So it, it's a good thing to have. Thank you. It's a question about, about adding on the or a suggestion about adding on database medical histories. And I just, I don't remember who it was, but there was a ship record for Alita that I, I think that I found that her grandmother came over and was actually quarantined was uh, put put uh, was I, uh, she had a corneal something or other and then we learned, I learned that uh, Alita's mother has the same thing and she uh, did not know that the grandmother also had this problem but was taken was taken off um, Ellis Island and yeah yes quick thing about um, Jewish chin I was on there and I was looking. No. Um, marriage certificates, which are really handy,
1: because they have the parents and everything on it, as well as some birth cer- certificates. And what I was doing was using Google Translate, because I don't speak German or Polish, and I was getting them all translated. And it does a pretty good job of filling in the blanks for <laughs> you. Yeah,
2: that's a that's a great idea to use Google Translate. Um, wouldn't do it for uh, legal records, but right. for the pur- these purposes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman I haven't heard from yet. Yes, sir. Um, you
1: mentioned in passing, but what about YIVO? The records there. Any databases there would use used? Yes,
2: so we mentioned it in passing, YIVO. Uh, the question about YIVO and its databases. At the Center for Jewish History in New York uh, on 16th Street, I know it well because that's where I work. It's five organizations, the Leo Beck Institute, which is German Jewish records, the American Jewish Historical Society the Shev University Museum, the Sephardic Center of Some Sort, and YIVO, which is Yiddish records also from Lithuania uh, and everywhere where um, Yiddish was spoken. And I would encourage you to use that not only for the Landsmannschaft records that I mentioned, the local society records, but for a plethora of rabbinic dynasties and literature. And, um, they're beginning to put some of their records. Um, some of it is accessible now. Material from Vilna has been digitized and put online just recently. Millions of documents. Uh, Leo Beck Institute has, uh, for German Jewish history has 3.5 million records digitized and available online. The East it's Y-I-V-O. And the website uh, is C J H. Dot org. And because the organizations are all together, you have one, uh, one large database that's all connected. So you can search, your search for will go to the American Jewish Historical Society and YIVO and the other institutions. Yes.
1: Just one thing about ancestry, just because there's a leaf there doesn't mean it's a valid. I had a lot of times where it'd say, here's a hint, but it was a wrong, you'd say, oh, the things don't match up. Thank just you. There's a lot of just wrong just things on hand. Hand. Don't oh, click every leaf and no. think it's all right.
2: So in ancestry, on the trees that I showed, they show you hints. And they're not always <laughs>
0: correct. Well, you think they tell because of the birth date is and the, com- and the country they come from, or, they or the they brothers and sisters. and sisters yep.
2: Yep. And and also, because it comes from someone else's tree, and someone else just got it wrong. One more question? Two more questions? How
0: many more questions do we have? Let's take three questions, and we'll
2: wrap it up. Okay. Yes. So you talked about the witness testimonies at Yad Vashem.
0: Very often when I go through these, I find somebody who filed it 1956, 1960. My challenge
2: is how do I track these people in Israel? Are there Israeli databases you can track people in the country? I have not been successful in finding how how to find them. So I did not plant him there, but it's a question about Israeli databases. That's and tracking people, finding people in Israel. That's a really important one. Uh, So the Israel Genealogy Research Association has over a million records uh, available on their database. It's absolutely worth looking at. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take you up to the present or identify the person. There is a phone book, a White Pages phone book for Israel. And there are also also are two Jewish genealogical societies in Israel, and you can send them a question. There's also a tracing service that's still in existence, a woman in Israel who does Holocaust-related, looking for a family that's been lost. So there are people to go to and resources to go to in Israel that can help you, not always necessarily on your own. Yeah. Question? Um, My great grandmother, I've I've traced her back uh, to when she was a child. And she came to the United States in 1890. Uh, But I can't find where she came from. Okay, so traced her back to 1890, a time where they did not put the places where they were from on the ship record. So if you, she came from Hamburg, you might get lucky, because it might be on the Hamburg immigration lists, And also, if there's already existing family tree or family association, you might get lucky. And if not, come to me afterwards. And we can talk about it. I'm happy to help you. Last question, I think? Yes, yeah. yes. I just wanted to say, I have the Orange County Jewish
1: Genealogy Society's library in my garage. I live in Westminster, and there's 192 books in it. So we have the large Jewish genealogical collection in
2: Orange County. So all you have to do is call me and tell me when you'd like to come. And if I'm there, which I'm there a lot, I'll make sure to welcome you. Thank you, Michelle. That's uh, really about. um,
1: Michelle Sandler, Sandler, and also the vice president of program
2: there, there you go. Your own local resource, if you have questions, which is really wonderful. And if you have uh, questions later, um, uh, Ari has my email address. I can give you a card, and I'm certainly happy to help you. And I wish you good luck in your hunting. Thank you.
0: So thank you for coming out. I hope you got some information. I know that uh, I was talking to someone in the audience. It's uh, it's a, it, it, you open, I don't know if it's a can of worms because that seems like a bad thing. When you start this process, it's a little overwhelming and uh, there are a lot of dead ends. So um, I'm going to go back to what Karen said at the beginning. I've, I've found out from my parents who were the gatekeepers because there seems to be in each part of your family, there's one person who's a gatekeeper and they're interested. And you, if you can find them, they will start you off. And all this stuff will then add to that puzzle and just uh, take it slow and try to find a good database where you can build. And uh, uh, in the end, you will uh, find out a lot about where you come from, and you'll have information that you can share with your kids. But I will tell you, my, my grandmother passed away this past year, and she was the last connection that my family had to Eastern Europe. And um, so I'm going back in time to find out where I came from, but it's harder and harder because (laughs) there's no one left. Um, So try to find those people in your family who did the research many years ago because they're the ones who have the accurate stuff. And don't give up and enjoy and share some exciting stuff with me if you have pictures or stories and I'll share it with our group. Thank you all for coming out and uh, have a great evening.